This morning, we continue in our series called Help. I feel so... As we look at the different feelings and emotions that can uh, captivate our hearts and control behaviors. Uh, I've started every sermon in this series this way, but it's important for me to, just in case if you're here for the first time, uh, emotions and feelings aren't bad. God created us as emotional creatures uh, to have emotions, to have feelings. As we look at Scripture, what do we see? God Himself has feelings and emotions. It's not the feelings that are bad. It's when the feelings and emotions take us captive and control our behaviors. And then those behaviors aren't godly behaviors. That's when we want to break free from those emotions. And so what we're doing in this series is we're noticing, naming, and navigating through the different emotions that we face. And then we're looking at the promises of God that draw us in and bring our hearts peace. Today, we're looking at help. I feel so confused. As you look at the world in which we live, would you say it's a confusing time? See a lot of head shaking. Uh, Yes, that is, not no. A lot of you are shaking your heads yes. Uh, What is acceptable today, or what was acceptable yesterday, isn't acceptable today who used to be held up with high esteem, are now vilified today. Uh, What we used to grow up and take for granted now is questioned, and it's moving and changing at a very fast pace. It's getting to the point where it's hard to say and hard to have good manners because we can't even say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir sometimes. How did we get to a place and time that is so confusing. As we sit here, we can sometimes feel like this world is so confusing. How am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't know what's what. So what we're going to do today is we're going to answer three questions. Number one, why is it so confusing today? Why are the times so confusing? Number two, we're going to see what's the problem with clarity. Because though we want clarity, though we want it to not be so confusing, there's a problem with gaining clarity. And then number three, why should we listen to the truth? Those are the three questions we're going to answer today, and we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 to do it. A little background. 2 Timothy is the second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to young pastor Timothy. Paul wrote these in 60s AD, and he's writing the second letter to Timothy as older pastor writing to younger pastor Timothy. Older pastor Paul is getting ready to die, not because of old age, but Paul is in prison. And he's in prison for preaching the gospel. And what does he know? He knows that his sentencing is coming. And he knows that his life is about to end for preaching the gospel of Jesus. And so he writes a letter to encourage young pastor Timothy on pastoring. And in chapter 4, he gives encouragement about preaching the word. Here's what we're told. 2 Timothy chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, 
and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul says to young Timothy, preach the word. Preach the truth of God's word. Be prepared in season and out of season. In other words, be prepared when you're standing up in front of the congregation preaching, but also be prepared when you're not doing pastoral duties because opportunities will come up to preach the word. Preach the truth of God's word. Correct. Rebuke and encourage. Correct faulty thinking. Rebuke sinful ways and encourage godly behavior and godly thinking. Why? Paul says, because a time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Healthy, sound doctrine. The Greek word for put up with uh, literally means tolerate. They're not going to tolerate sound doctrine. Instead, what are they going to do? To suit their own desires, they are going to surround themselves with people who tell them what they want to hear. This isn't a new phenomenon, right? Uh, If you look back to our Isaiah reading in Isaiah chapter 30, what were the people doing? They wanted to surround themselves with people who preached to them their illusions, God said. Preach what we want to hear, people turn from sound doctrine to and the truth to myths to illusions to people that tell them what they want to hear their itching ears want to hear and so they turn from the sound doctrine of God's word the truth of God's word to anything and everything else in june i, I read an article uh, from Gallup. Uh, Gallup is a, a group that puts out all kinds of surveys with all different kinds of areas of life, but one of the areas that Gallup surveys the country on is beliefs. And they started in 1944 uh, surveying the country on this question, do you believe in God? In 1944, they asked the question. In 1947, they asked the question. Once in the 50s and once in the 60s, Guess what percentage of people answered, yes, I believe in God, all those times? 98%. 98% of America said, yes, I believe in God, in the 40s, in the 50s, and the 60s. Jump ahead to when they asked it again in 2011. Guess what percentage believed in God? 
might shock you, 92%. But remember, this isn't, uh, we're not specifically talking about Jesus Christ here. This is, do you believe in God? That could be, do you believe in a higher power, uh, a, a God that's out there? Uh, it could be very generic. But do you believe in God? 92% in 2011. From May 2nd to May 22nd, 2022, they asked it again, and guess what percentage of Americans believe in God? 81% of America. In 11 years, it dropped 11%. 81% of Americans believe that there is at least some kind of God, which is great until we get more specific. I wonder what that number would be if we talked about Jesus Christ and the God of the Bible. I wonder what the percentage would be then. As we look around the world and in our culture today, we can say, why is it such a confusing time? It's because if you don't believe in God, guess what else you don't believe in? The sound doctrine of Scripture. The truth of God's Word. And that's your first point today. Life becomes confusing when people reject the truth. How did we get to a place where 81% of Americans believe in God, where, where the most people have answered that they don't believe in God ever in our country? How did we get to that point? How did it drop so significantly? Many factors. Uh, we could talk about all kinds of different things, um, from parents not passing it on to the next generation, etc. But one of the main reasons is the very foundation of this country. Freedom. Freedom. Tim Keller points out, uh, Tim Keller's number one, or New York Times best-selling author. He's, he's a pastor in, in New York City. He, in his book, The Reason for God, he points out that in 1992, the Supreme Court, in a, a decree that they were issuing a, a verdict on, said that it's one's own uh, right to figure out their meaning in this life. The heart of liberty, they said, is that it's, it, the heart of liberty is for each one to figure out their meaning in the universe. The court said to a whole generation, it is up to you to figure out why you're here, to figure out your purpose. And I know we say keep church and state separate, but do you realize that that state decree is a spiritual statement? Because what does Scripture say? The sound doctrine of Scripture says that the reason people are here is to have a relationship with their God and to honor and glorify Him. That's what sound doctrine says. And yet, what do itching ears want to hear? I can define my own meaning in existence, and my government just gave me the freedom to do it. And so what do people do? Surround themselves with what their itching ears want to hear and throw out sound, sound doctrine of Scripture. Now, before you think that I don't like freedom, uh, Christmas and Easter are my absolute favorite holidays, but beyond that, 4th of July is my favorite holiday. I even have a 4th of July playlist <laughs> uh, where I have all Freedom in America songs that uh, we play all 4th of July. But what does freedom do? When, when we take it in, in the country and in the physical realm and we bring it to spiritual and we think that we have freedom to believe what we want, 
it leads to all kinds of confusion. If we throw out the sound doctrine of Scripture, if we throw out the truth of God's Word, then truth is found where? In here. In my feelings. And in your feelings. And everyone is living out their truth. And isn't that what we hear today? We have a generation that has been brought up with the tagline of, I'm living my truth. I'm speaking my truth. I am figuring out truth for myself. What's right for me and wrong for me might not be right and wrong for you, and everyone is living their truth and projecting it on everybody else, and it's causing confusion because everyone has a different truth. And yet truth is truth. Feelings are opinions. Truth is truth. And when we toss out the truth of God's word, the sound doctrine of Scripture, it leads to all kinds of confusion. Where are you looking for truth? Where are you looking for how you should view the world? Where are you looking to to clear up the confusion? Is it the sound doctrine of Scripture, or are you looking to how your parents raised you? Are you looking to how your school taught you and the values they taught you? Are you looking to what the government says? If you're looking to anything other than the sound doctrine of Scripture, it's going to bring confusion. It's the sound doctrine, the healthy doctrine of God's Word that brings clarity. So, why is the world so confusing? It's because more and more people are tossing out the sound doctrine of Scripture and following their own truth. And so we know what the solution is, right? The sound doctrine of God's Word. I know what you're going to say, Stephen. We need to go out and do what Paul told Timothy to do. Preach the Word, go correct, go rebuke, and go uh, encourage. Amen, right? Hold on. Not that quick. It would be nice, though, wouldn't it, if the sermon was done already? But hold on, there's a problem with clarity. There's a problem with truth. And do you know what it is? It's your second point. To have clarity, we must have humility. To have clarity, we must have humility. Do you know why? Because no matter who you are, every single one of you sitting here, If we open up God's word and we look at the sound doctrine of scripture, it will offend you in some way, shape, or form. That's not just here. It's not just with us. It's same with people living in Asia, in Africa, in South America, in England. It's the sound doctrine of scripture that is God's truth to sinners. A holy and perfect God gives us his truth to sinful human beings And what is going to happen, sinful human beings are going to say, I don't like that truth. It doesn't matter. God's word offends every single culture. Mike Novotny, in in his book, What's Big, Starts Small, he's talking about faith. What's big, starts small. He says that the number one thing that gets in the way of big faith, pride. Refusal to have humility and listen to the truth, the sound doctrine of God's word. Just consider a few of them. 
God says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But I say, I want to rest on my only day off. God's word says, do everything you can to keep the unity of the spirit. But I say, she should apologize first. God's word says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Give up all of your wants and desires, husbands, for your wife. Put her first and foremost. But I say, I haven't felt respected in a really long time. So why should I do that? Ladies, how about this one? Wives, submit to your husbands in everything as to the Lord. But you're smarter. But you're more organized. But you have it more together. Or how about this one? You were bought at a price. You are not your own. Therefore, honor God with your body. But it's my body. My choice. How about this one? The wages of sin is death. But I'm really not that bad. Or this one. All of your righteous acts are like filthy rags. But I want to say I'm a pretty good person. God's word the truth of God's word offends. It offends the pride in my heart. No matter who you are, it will offend. And you know what the temptation is? Toss it out. Close up my ears. I don't want to hear that section. I read a... uh, a quote this week that's supposedly attributed to Frederick Nietzsche that says, people don't want to hear the truth because they don't want their illusions destroyed. People don't want to hear the truth because they don't want their illusions destroyed. And how true it is. Uh, we, we, when the truth confronts us, the pride in our heart says, I don't want to hear it. I want to keep living how I'm living. I want to keep thinking how I'm thinking. It takes humility to have clarity. Because if we live in illusions, we live in confusion. If we're living in illusions, we're living in confusion. And the sound doctrine of Scripture is the only thing that brings clarity. And it takes humility to listen to it. So, are you listening? Are you humble enough to look at God's Word and say, I don't like it, but I'm going to listen to it. Do you have the humility to do that, to have clarity? If not, do you know what you're doing? Number one, you are living in confusion. And number two, you're aiding in the confusion of our culture. Do you know why? Because people, non-Christians, the the non-81% of America looks at you knowing you're a Christian, and they know the Bible too. They know what sound doctrine is, they just don't want to listen to it. They look at you and they say, well, you're a Christian, how do you feel about this? And if the way that you are living and believing isn't with the sound doctrine of Scripture, 
Guess what they now say about God's word in Christians? Oh, it must be like a buffet style. You pick this doctrine that you like, but the ones you don't like, you toss out. And so it adds to the confusion of our culture. Do you see what the problem is? To have clarity, you must have humility. Because God's word will offend the pride in your heart. We've seen why the world is confused. We see the problem with clarity is that I have to drop my pride and have humility. But there's one more thing. It's the trust factor, right? When someone claims to have the truth, that is scary. Because if they claim to have the truth, that means you must listen to them. And if, they, if you listen to them, guess what you are giving them? Complete control over yourself. And so when someone claims to have the truth, it's terrifying. Will they abuse me? Will they treat me poorly? Will they control me and manipulate me? That's what the mind goes to. And that's why we fight so dearly for our freedom. And that's why so dearly we don't want to be controlled. We don't want someone to have the truth. We want to find it here. And so to have clarity, we have to have, we have, to have trust as well. How can we do it? Let's look at verse 8. Now there's in store for me, this is what Paul says, now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul's getting ready to die, and what's he say he's going to receive? The crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give him. How can Paul receive the crown of righteousness? For you who know the Bible pretty well, you know Paul's history, right? What did he do before he was a Christian? He was in the business of killing Christians and lots of them. And if the righteous judge were to give him what he deserved, what would he deserve? Sure, Paul, you started all these churches, you changed your mind, you have faith in Jesus, and you went around doing all these good things. Sure, but you still have a whole bunch of dead Christians under your name. If he stood before the righteous judge on his own, he wouldn't be receiving the crown of righteousness, he'd be receiving condemnation. If the righteous judge gave him a righteous decree. So how can Paul be so sure? The answer is Jesus Christ who was born into this world. And when he was born into this world, John chapter 1 says he came full of grace and truth. Jesus, later on in John, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, standing before Pontius Pilate, says, in fact, this, uh, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What was the truth for Paul, for you, and for the world. We are sinful people who are so prideful that we don't want to listen to God's word. Paul is a great example. And yet, what did Jesus, the embodiment of truth, do? He didn't come to be a dictator. Instead, he came to love. As he's standing before Pilate, the truth, 
the one who has the truth, the one who is truth. He's not there to make us conform. Instead, what's he there to do? Save us. He exchanged his crown of righteousness for a crown of thorns. He exchanged his innocence for guilty. He exchanged his perfection for condemnation. Why? Because the truth is we are sinners who need a Savior. And the truth loves you and me enough to not control us, but to save us. The truth loves us enough to not capture us, but deliver us. And he did it through his death and resurrection. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, Paul said, of who I am the worst. And that's exactly what he did. This is why Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from sin. Free from death. Free from control of Satan. Free from confusion. And then we have clarity. You want to know why you can trust the truth? Why you can trust Jesus? Because Jesus isn't a dictator. He's a loving God who gave up his life so that you could have his. Who gave up his position so that you could have eternal life. When we know that, we know that our God loves us and has our best interests at heart. And it brings us humility and trust because he doesn't rule with an iron fist. He rules in love and grace and truth. It leads us to our third point today. When we listen to sound doctrine, we'll have clarity in confusing times. So what do you and I want to do? Knowing that we have a God who loves us. Knowing that we have a God who has the truth, who died for us to have the crown of righteousness so that when we die, we will be crowned with the same righteousness that, that uh, Paul had. Knowing all of that, knowing his love, his mercy, we want to do, let what Paul says to Timothy happen to our heart. Correct us, Lord. Correct us when we're thinking falsely. Rebuke us when we're living in sin. And encourage us to live godly lives. Let the truth work on our hearts because we know we have a God who loves us, who set us free from sin, death, and the devil. And then yes, take the truth out into the world. Teach, correct, rebuke, train, encourage. People are looking for clarity and we have it in the truth of God's word. And so bring it. Bring it to them. Bring the love that our God has for them because then they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. May God be with us as we do this. May God give us clarity as we trust the truth, as he brings us humility to trust in him as we're built up in his love and forgiveness once again. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the righteous judge uh, and you could smite each and every one of us. You could give us condemnation, and, and truthfully, that's what your truth, the sound doctrine of Scripture, says we deserve. And yet you, being the God of gods, the King of kings, Lord of lords, uh, refused to let that happen. Instead, you humbly came to love us, to serve us, and to die for us. You took our sentencing that we might go free. 
You took our guilt that we may be forgiven. Uh, you took your crown of righteousness and placed it on our head and instead took, instead took the crown of thorns and you went to the cross to free us from sin, death, and the devil. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that it gives us clarity in times of confusion. Uh, we ask that you help us to drop our pride, break through the pride in our hearts, and instead uh, give us humility. Humility to listen to your word, to trust your word, to listen to the sound doctrine of your word, uh, that we may have the clarity that we so desperately desire. As we see the clarity and we see the truth of your word, we, we see clearly in our times. We see what people need, we see what they want, and we see the answer to it all. It's you and the truth of your word. Uh, bring us that humility that we may bring that truth out into the world so that they too may have clarity. Because when people know the truth, it will set them free. We thank you for that. We ask you to be with us, continue to bless us, and keep us. Amen.